it's a bit like with the Olympics, when one Olympics is finished, they're already into planning for the next one. It's kind of the same for a budget. And remember, a budget is nothing more than a statement of what's intended to happen. Like a household budget too, your revenue and your expenses don't always match. Yeah, they are pretty similar, just very different in terms of their size though. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. Perhaps to get us started, can you tell us your name and your position here? I'm Matt Flavel and I'm currently the Deputy Secretary of the Corporate Services and Business Strategy Group within the Treasury. Okay, that's a bit of a mouthful. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm essentially responsible for all the corporate support activities of the department um, from ITHR plus our state offices. So Treasury has state offices now in Sydney and Melbourne as well as Perth. So it's a broad purview across the department. Okay. Now we're going to get into the budget process in a moment, but before we do, can you help us understand why the federal budget is so important? Well, so I think in this day and age, it's really the one big thing that the government can do every year. Uh, Going back many decades, the government kind of controlled everything, you know, tariffs, exchange rates, everything else. Whereas now, pretty much their main way in which they can affect things within the country is through budget decisions and through fiscal policy. And so I think it always has that feeling to me of being the one big thing that the government kind of does every year. And so in some ways, it becomes a bit of a focal point and it feels that way as well. Now, many people kind of draw parallels between what the government does in terms of the budget for the country and, you know, a household budget. To what degree is that analogy valid? Well, it's pretty similar, I think. Budgeting is actually not that difficult, (laughs) despite all the terminology and acronyms and everything else. It's really much the same. A household gets money in, pay in, and pays a whole lot of bills. Some of that will be for ongoing things, um, paying rent or paying for food. Other things might be investments um, or paying, you know, to buy an asset, like if you've got a mortgage. So the federal budget or any government budget is kind of the same. You take a whole lot of um, money, you get a whole lot of money in, so tax revenue, and then there's a whole lot of choices about how to spend it. Some of that's for things in the short term and other things might be investments, you know. So it is conceptually pretty similar. Like a household budget too, your revenue and your expenses don't always match. And if you've got a surplus, then you're in the nice position of working out what to do with it. And if you don't, you've got to finance it. So, yeah, they are pretty similar, just very different in terms of their size. though. Now, before you mentioned that every year, the release of the budget, it becomes a real focal point. And I guess for most people listening, they perhaps only become aware of budget on budget night when, and particularly when the Treasurer gets up and does the speech, and then there's a bit of coverage the next day or the week following. But it's not as if the Treasurer is going to come up with the budget all by himself. And it's not as if he comes up with it on that day. So when does this process begin? So it's a bit like with the Olympics, when one Olympics is finished, they're already into planning for the next one. It's kind of the same for a budget. One finishes and the next one's already really commencing and it very much is a cycle. So once one budget has been done, and remember a budget is nothing more than a statement of what's intended to happen, then pretty much the planning starts for the next one. And there's really a couple of really big things that drive the planning One is the state of the economy. So um, what's actually happening in terms of growth, what's happening in terms of risk to the economic outlook, all of those sorts of things. Um, And then what does that mean for the amount of money that's coming in and going out? So any budget's kind of got to be framed around those big picture things. 
The other, and this is sort of an oversimplification, is really just a statement then or a sense of what the government's priorities are. So coming up over the next 12 months, there'll be things that they want to do. So that might be a particular area in which they feel like they want to progress policy, aged care, pension, whatever, coupled with the fact they'll always have things they have to do, like royal commissions or reviews, and the government's got to respond to those. So it's got this big melting pot, if you like, of an overall macro picture and what's happening and what adjustments it might need to make. And then within that, what are, where are the policy areas or the areas that they want to choose on? But as I said, sometimes their hand is forced. It's not always the things they want to do. It's the things they have to do. So we're looking at about 12 months, 12 months out. Yeah. They, they kind of, it's the... The machine starts to yeah. roll. But it's so, probably probably more like nine months in yeah. reality, um, uh, in, you know, formally. But it, it is best thought of as kind of the whole year round. And partly the reason I say that is because um, while the government does a budget um, and delivers it in May or April this year, of course, once it's delivered, there can be things that happen in the short term. Uh, there can be international developments, for instance, um, that might require um, the government to act in the short term. So there can also be things that are happening quite soon after one budget's delivered. It's nothing more than a plan. So um, and when plans change, the government has to change um, its course as well. Can you take us through who are the kind of the key decision makers in creating this plan? Because like I said before, it's not just the treasurer. Like who is it that actually goes about doing the planning that goes into the budget? So it sort of happens at two levels. At the political level, the budget is really um, driven by the treasurer with the finance minister, the minister for finance. Um, But there are other ministers also involved. Obviously, in our system, the prime minister is pretty heavily involved. And there can be other ministers as well, depending on the areas of policy focus. At the bureaucratic level, dot our level here, it's really Treasury and Finance that drive the budget process in terms of the planning and the execution. Again, other departments and other actors will be involved, but it's largely a Treasury and Finance run process in terms of the um, planning for it, in terms of the timetable, in terms of things that matter, like inputs. So I mentioned um, the state of the economy. So we have to do things like economic forecasts, what we think is going to happen to tax revenue, a whole lot of basic information you kind of need before you even get to the point of deciding how money is going to be spent or other decisions that might be taken. Mm-hmm. And how, how many people would be safe within Treasury that are working and, and the Department of Finance that work on the budget? So it's many hundreds, actually. Um, hundreds. Yeah, it's hundreds. Um, not all at the one time. But it is a big exercise. There's, you know, across, uh, we have a revenue group here in, uh, here in Treasury. And a big proportion of those people are doing things like costing tax proposals, um, forecasting revenue, implementing parts of budget measures, so legislating and, and acting on those. And on the spending side, which is mainly the Department of Finance, they, again, have um, people who oversight all of the portfolios in the Commonwealth check how spending's going, cost new proposals, give advice to the government about priorities. So it's many hundreds, but don't forget the budget is um, around half a trillion dollars in terms of spending, about you know a quarter of the economy. So it sounds like a lot of people, but given its size, it's actually not, not that significant. Mm-hmm. Now, when I teach budgeting to undergraduate university students, one of the distinctions that we introduce is the difference between, say, top-down budgeting versus bottom-up budgeting, where you collect budget assumptions and targets and information from all around kind of the organisation, and that aggregates up into the organisation's budget. Now, of course, this is a very simplistic distinction that it sits in 
conceptual level. But even still, how would you characterise the process of creating the federal budget, be it kind of from a top-down versus a bottom-up approach? So it's probably a bit of a hybrid. I'd, I'd almost describe it as a marginal budgeting approach, which is you take what you spent or you got last year and you adjust for that. So you don't necessarily go back to a zero-based budget or a bottom-up, but equally it's not completely top-down either. It's more that marginal. So given that government spending is you know four or $500 billion, a lot of that is locked in. And a lot of it at the Commonwealth level is, is what's known as um, governed by standing or special appropriations. So in other words, the parliament has already agreed some time ago that if you meet a certain requirement, you'll get the pension or you'll get a Medicare payment or that you know if your child goes to a primary school, there'll be a certain amount of funding. And a lot of that is locked in. So we need to adjust um, parameters around that. But there's no decision every year that we're going to keep doing those things. They've already been authorised by a law. So a lot of the focus on the annual budget is more on the incremental bit, how much new money is being spent on national security or defence or on a particular policy area. So it's more of that sort of hybrid, if you like, a bit of top-down and a bit of bottom-up, but very much that sort of focus on the margin. And I think that's one of the things, for me, having been involved for a long time, that's interesting. There's a lot of focus on an announcement that says we're spending an extra $50 million on this program but in fact, we might already be spending, you know, hundreds of millions on it, um, and that never kind of gets mentioned. A lot of the focus is on the new money and the new announcement, and there's this real premium on, if you like, the additional or the incremental parts of the budget. Is there ever a chance to revisit some of those bigger assumptions, those bigger parameters that are kind of locked in, like the appropriations you mentioned before? They do, but they would tend to be done, I think, more if there was a more systematic review. So a few years ago, there was a review of the adequacy of the pension, for instance. And that looks more holistically as, you know, is the pension level right, given a whole lot of factors. Coming out of that review, governments can decide on the basis of that, we want to change the underlying um, way in which people qualify. But they've got to do that first. And then once they have, there's got to be a change to the relevant legislation that governs it. So it's a much more detailed process. Um, it would tend to happen in a more systematic way. So it does happen. But like everything, no money can be spent unless there's a law um, that's been passed that allows it under our constitution. So everything one way or the other requires parliamentary approval. So even if a government has a plan in a budget, in order for that money to actually be spent or raised in the case of tax, you've actually got to have a law of the parliament. Mm which is kind of a little bit assuring, really, because, you know, it's our money. So I certainly hope someone's made, you know, a very public decision about that. Yeah, although it is a feature of our system, which is um, not everybody realises. So a government can budget for something and say it wants to do, you know, these three things. But if the parliament doesn't allow it to do it, then, the, you know, the budget is essentially um, null and void. It seems like there's a, a lot of kind of back and forth between different decision makers and all those hundreds of people that are involved in the process, which makes me wonder, in the lead up to that final budget that's released and announced on budget night, how many versions would have happened before you get to that point? So it's hard to say because there's different parts of the process. There's the planning stage, decision making, and then there's kind of writing it all up. Uh, and in the decision-making phase, that's where a lot of the chopping and changing goes because there'll be particular proposals and sometimes they even get agreed and then, you know, in a few weeks' time they get taken off the table. So that process of formulating the budget is quite iterative. Once that's been locked down and we actually get to producing the budget papers and the, the communication, if you like, there can be many, many drafts of all of that. 
uh, whether that's the Treasurer's budget speech that he stands up and does at 7.30pm on the dot on budget night, or whether that's all the various bits of budget materials. We have formal budget papers, but we also have a series of other publications that go out. And indeed, we have um, most people get their budget information now from the budget website. So it's a huge amount of work goes into that production of the budget papers and the, and the supporting material. I guess a lot of people probably just don't have a sense of all this activity that's gone, like you say, in the nine months leading up. So you have a planning phase. How, how long would that last? That can be, you know, maybe two or three months, but there's nothing sort of written down about that. You know, that takes as long as it kind of takes. Sometimes governments will have an early plan for what they want to do in the next budget. Other times they kind of feel their way there and it can take many, many months. Uh, But once they're there, the decision-making phase um, would normally take a month or two. And that's a very condensed period of activity. In order to do that, the government of the day will have a a view of where the economy is at. And with that base information, they can then start to make decisions, as I said, at at the margin or that incremental budgeting. And then once that's done, the production phase is actually really quick. It happens more in the sort of range of you know under four weeks almost before the budget's actually delivered and an incredibly intense period in the last two weeks right up until when it's actually delivered. <laughs> okay so I mean we're about we're just shy of a month out as you you are probably acutely aware. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're currently right now in the production phase? Pretty much yeah the yeah. decision this year is obviously a little unusual because we've got a budget being done at the beginning of April. Uh, this is in fact the first time it hasn't been in May um, since I think it's 23 years. So uh, up until this period, they've always been in May, so this is a bit unusual. But, yeah, within the um, the decision-making phase is really coming to an end, but the production phase will really be gearing up, and that'll go right through to budget night and beyond, indeed. So at 7.30pm, uh, we flick the switch, and everybody in the country can access budget.gov.au and that has to be supported and to work so it's right up to budget and beyond really. Yeah you were saying before that perhaps the most intense period is actually that final weeks leading up to the release. Why is that part the most intense? Uh, Just because it happens within a short time frame. So what happens uh, traditionally and this has been over many decades is that the treasurer will actually come down to the treasury building for the week before the budget and they'll come and work out of the building with his or her staff and they'll really oh, they'll just like they'll grab an office they have an office there's Down a here? no well, there's an <laughs> there's an office on the fifth floor uh, that's always been carved out for them and that just means that they can come and focus on the budget they have access to all of the officials and there's just lots of drafting and redrafting and getting the messaging right and making sure that numbers are presented in the right way and all the rest of it so particularly that last week yeah. it's like um, the red zone the treasurer's here everybody's geared around um, working around the clock to to get the budget delivered and it's quite an intense activity but it's actually one that energizes the department and people who work on it so i think sometimes people assume that it's you know people are being worked to the bone it's all terrible in my experience people love the cut and thrust and they really want to be involved in that um, last minute production because when it's delivered there's a sense of satisfaction and so they really do derive a lot of energy and there's a real buzz around the building um, in the week before the budget Now, on budget day, there's often a big fuss about, you know, the lock-up of the journalists, all in an effort to keep it secret and for there not to be leaks. But as you've mentioned, you guys have been working with the budget for months. How do you ensure that it's not leaked beforehand? So that's a really good question. So there's a couple of things. One is that um, while there's many hundreds of people involved in the budget, 
uh, when we get to the really pointy end, if you like, there's very few people who actually access the whole thing. The other thing is we take some pretty simple measures. We actually partition access off in terms of the IT system um, and we actually physically lock down parts of the building. So there's, uh, a, there's a lock-up that happens here. It's not quite a lock-up um, because people can get out. <laughs> it's a lockdown. It just enables us to ensure that we kind of just physically send a bit of a signal that this is important and we take it seriously. It's something the department's obviously done for a long, long, long time. And there's a sense of pride for us and um, part of our DNA that we want to protect the information because it's important. Um, and it's important not just because then the government gets to announce it, but actually there can be market-sensitive information in there. You're listening to Think Business Futures. To download this show, head to 2SCR.com or your favourite podcast app and look for Think Business Futures. Now, you've already done a fantastic job in giving us a sense of the human story that sits behind the budget. I I guess I want to just tap in a little bit more about your own personal experience, if we can. How many federal budgets have you been involved in? So I don't count them. They're not like notches on a belt for me. But I started as a graduate in the Department of Finance in 1994. uh, And all of my career has been in finance and now the Treasury. And for a lot of those years, I've been either directly involved or partially involved in the budget. So in the real, real engine room of the budget, I've done, you know, I'm just going to call it eight budgets. But in my current role, we organise the budget lockup, responsible for the sort of the IT and the website, for all of the communications that go with the budget. Thinking through those nine months, is there any particular time or part of that process that is the favourite part for you? Uh, Well, I can tell you what the weirdest part is. The weirdest part is the Monday before the budget. So generally speaking, the budget papers go to print on the weekend before the budget. uh, And people are working right around the clock. And I mean right around the clock. The budget then goes off to print. And you might have seen sometimes there's a few media shots of the, you know, the the documents rolling off the printer. The Monday is when the generally, uh, Monday evening is when the first printed copies start coming off the printer. And we get a few embargoed copies, obviously, just to check that, you know, everything looks okay. And just prior to that, there's always that sort of awful feeling of, it's like getting exam paper back and (laughs) I'm actually going to see it in print and it's all going to look like I I wanted it to. So that's kind of the weirdest part. I think um, in terms of sort of satisfying, it's it's really on budget night and budget day. And you mentioned the lockup. When you've got access to this information and you know how the decisions are being made and you've kind of seen the inner workings, I think there's almost a sense of kind of um, curiosity and satisfaction that when you first see the journos and other people accessing it, almost to see their reaction. Uh, in my case, you've had months and months to kind of know how all the numbers fit together and, you know, and, and all the bits and pieces. And then when people start to access it, I don't know, it's it's a sort of slightly weird but satisfying feeling. Yeah, yeah, because the Treasury has a has these information desks inside That's right, lockup. in the lockup, yeah. yeah. So we send out lots of officials. And that, that role is to ensure that journalists, because they're, there's hundreds of pages of information, yeah. so it's really that if they have questions about where things are or where particular decisions or they might have uh, specific questions about portfolio, We're there to help journalists to, to, to answer those questions on behalf of the Treasurer. Will you also be in there, seeing if Lee Sales is having a particular reaction to one particular part that you put in there? (laughs) It's not quite so voyeuristic, but it is interesting to then see how um, the journalists, because the journalists play a key role in uh, articulating the budget, they have a reaction to it. So the most interesting part is really just to see, yeah, what sort of angles, if you like, that journalists will put on the budget. Because often when you are involved directly you know the message and the sort of key themes that the Treasurer or the Government of the Day wants to get out. 
But as we all know, that can be actually quite different than the way that the, the, it's portrayed in the media. And sometimes there are particular smaller things that, when you've been putting it together, don't appear to be an issue, but all of a sudden they just, I don't know, becomes a bit of a maelstrom of activity around a particular item or issue. And it's interesting just to see you know, how the media, because there's hundreds and hundreds, as you said, all together, become a bit of a sort of a pack and there's a feeding frenzy about a particular issue that you think oh I didn't actually think of it that way or I didn't think that would be that important. That just makes me think do you ever do like a I guess have a B team come and kind of role play and read something and pretend to be media and play devil's advocate and look at a, a particular item. So that's really more a role for the treasurer and his or her office. So that's much more of a political lens. That's how will, you know, how will it be viewed publicly? That's not really a role for us so much. I mean, we might have a view as to what's the best way to communicate something and that might be in terms of the medium chosen or the way it's presented. At the margin, some of those some of those things are actually much more for the treasurer and his or her media team to kind of prosecute. Mm. My last question then is: so, budget night comes along. The journalists, as you say, the pack descends. They unpick and prosecute the papers you've carefully prepared. Uh, the treasurer gives the speech, and then the news coverage comes out. So, what do you do on the next day, <laughs> the day after the budget's delivered? <laughs> So before we get to that, on the night of the budget, so as you know, the budget's delivered at 7.30pm, the lock-up ends, there's a bit of cleaning up to do. There's a well-worn tradition where at some um, venue around Canberra, Treasury and Finance go out for drinks and just to celebrate. It's kind of unusual because Canberra's a pretty quiet place on a Tuesday night, but you get you know hundreds of Treasury and Finance and a few other officials going out for a drink. That's really a way of just sort of celebrating the fact that it's, it's all over. The day after, um, well, there's things just continue on. So the Treasurer traditionally does a press club uh, event, which is now a big thing where many hundreds of people attend. And in the few days after that, then the opposition leader does his or her response to the budget. So we don't have much involvement in those two things. But as I was saying, you know, life kind of goes on. The budget's a point in time. There's a bit of reaction to it. And then there can be further adjustments and then planning for the next one. So there's not a lot of downtime. So it, it operates with a peak, but at a much higher tempo sometimes than people appreciate. Yeah, I guess the Treasury's work's never really done, hey? Never really done. It's busy, but it's really exciting. And I've worked in Treasury for 15 years. And being at the centre of government, we've talked about the budget. There's lots of other things we do here that really are uh, have of national significance, they're being written about every day in the press. You know, more recently we've had the, the Banking Royal Commission and the department's been heavily involved in helping the government respond to that and act upon it. There's a whole range of um, areas of sort of foreign investment and tax policy and the like. So it's a really interesting place to work. So we do a lot on the budget, but we actually do a whole lot of stuff that's not on the budget. It's quite busy and interesting as well. Mm. Well, I don't want to keep you too long from all that other stuff. No, so. we're, we're within the last four weeks, so it's going to get really busy. <laughs> So, Nicole, we're back in Sydney, and we had a great time speaking with Matt. Really interesting. Got to hang out at Treasury. That was cool. Yeah, that was great. But now we're a little bit closer to the budget. Mm. What do you reckon they're doing? They're probably working pretty hard. Mm. I imagine. I hope so. (laughs) But it was three weeks ago we went down to Canberra, and Matt seemed really excited. That's after having a month chopped off their normal time frame. So, he seemed to be pretty cruisy. I think we should catch up with Matt and... Should we give him a call and see what he's up to? Yeah, let's give him a call. All right, hold on. Let's see. He gave me his number. He said we could check in. So uh, let's see if he's stressed out. 
Hello, Matt speaking. Hi, Matt. It's uh, Jason from 2SER and Nicole. How are you? Hi, how are you going? Good to hear from you again. <laughs> yeah, you too. Is now a good time to chat with just for a few minutes? Now, Now's a perfect time. That's good. Last time we spoke uh, a few weeks ago, you seemed pretty excited, if not a little bit confident in the lead up to the budget night. So you're in your so-called red zone. How are you feeling now? I'm feeling good. Was I confident? I uh, I think I was just energised and noting that um, we've got a good track record of having done many, many years of budget. So I was pretty confident in the team's ability to deliver. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we are in the red zone, which is pretty much all the budget decisions have been landed and it really, the focus then turns pretty heavily to production, finalising all the budget documents themselves, uh, all of the bits that need to be done for the website and some of the electronic forms of communication, uh, all the press releases that ministers put out on the night, uh, and then the budget lockup itself. So for the media and the stakeholders yep. uh, and a whole bunch of other things that come out of left field that we have to deal with. And can you describe what it's like inside Treasury right now? So there's a real buzz around the place. So uh, the Treasurer came down for a visit last week and he'll come to the building today. Yep. And that's a different dynamic because, um, you know, having the Treasurer and his office in the building changes the dynamic. There's just a bit of a buzz around the place. People um, are working very hard. You know, the hours get longer for those directly involved. Yeah. Um, so, so what sort, what sort of hours are we, are we talking about? Uh, I think that it sort of varies, but, um, you know, people working on the weekend and then through the course of this week, you know, for some areas will be quite late. But there's different players in it. So some people will be finalising the actual numbers in the system and that requires them to work quite late nights. Then we'll have other areas who are um, checking off documentation. So it, it, it ebbs and flows a bit. Uh, and then for around the production side, the printing side, the organisation around the lockup, that really comes quite close to the event itself. And there's just a huge number of tasks that need to be done for all of those things. Uh, it can Im- involve some late hours, but um, camaraderie is really high. And I think I observed mm-hmm. last time, you know, everybody wants to be involved in it. So nobody actually finds it a grind. People, I think, are really energised. Can you tell me what it's like, like right now? So c- paint us a picture. Like, what can you see right now? What's in front of you? Well, people are just working very hard. So you sort of look around and uh, the graphic designers are pulling together all of the materials to be printed and to go onto the website. In other parts of the department that I'm walking through, you just see people busily sort of huddling and checking out pages. So it's a, a sort of a real buzz in many, many different ways throughout the department. And critical question, what's the food situation like? <laughs> So I think uh, last time we met, I observed that, that um, in this week in particular, you get a lot of Uber Eats deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, I always find it quite funny. And that in itself is kind of a really great team bonding exercise because mm-hmm. you have a big group of people and um, you have to try and work out what's going to keep everybody happy for the myriad of different tastes that people have. So, But I think it, it's really great team bonding because people um, will sit around, they'll take a bit of time off to have some dinner, chat about what's going on, what's still needs to be done, uh, have a bit of a laugh and uh, kind of get back into it. Lots of the things we do at other points in the year, like people bake cakes and other things, that all happens.
happens during this period too. You know, people like to feel like they'll do whatever it takes to keep the team spirit up and to keep people focused on the job. Yeah, and, and speaking of team spirit, I think last time we spoke, you mentioned that some of the different teams in Treasury organise their own kind of merchandise. Who's got the best merchandise this year? Oh, so, so look, I'm biased, but our communications and parliamentary division definitely has the best best merch this year. They've gone and done um, a bespoke, so they've got their budget 2019 merch, and not only have they done their own kind of logo, but they've enabled staff to choose. So, you know, you can have a hoodie or you can have a long sleeve T-shirt. Um, they've pretty much gone all out in terms of um, giving giving lots of choice to people. And what did you opt for? Uh, hoodie for me. Looking ahead, what what is the big kind of ticket item for you that you're going to feel really relieved once that's done? So I always like to see the people from CamPrint, who are the contracted um, printers in the building over the weekend, because they come and get the, the budget papers on a USB, take it out, and then documents actually get printed. So I always think that there's a, a degree of comfort when you see that USB leave the building because it means the budget's actually being printed. For me, though, it's probably more the website now, just given the sheer number of people who access budget material on budget.gov.au. I think that when you start to see that come together, and it's a, it's a really um, good way for us to be able to present some what's often at times pretty detailed information in a user-friendly way. Last question, what's in it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's a budget countdown clock and you'll just have to wait till 7.30pm <laughs> to find out what's in it. But as always, there'll be a lot of speculation beforehand. And I think, as I said, when you are involved in the inside and you see it all, you really do enjoy seeing the media and others speculate about what might be in there and, and what might not be. And you kind of get that wry smile on your face because you, you actually do know. Thank you so much for taking some time out uh, of your day, particularly, you know, as you're in the red zone right now. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. We really appreciate it. It's a real pleasure. It's great to speak with you again. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. That brings us to the close of this episode of Think Business Futures. This podcast is made by the UTS Business School with the support of 2SER. If you can't get enough behind-the-scenes information on the federal budget, we've put more links on our website, 2ser.com slash thinkbusinessfutures. That's all one word. Think Business Futures is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. A big thank you to Lizzie McAnulty and Matt Flavel for allowing us to interrupt their work to ask them how the federal budget is made. Until next time. Until next time.